Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Uh, this is our recap of uh, this week's Dungeons and Dragons Frogs in Faerun game. Uh, I'm joined by the lovely Charlotte Porter. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. And uh, the uh, elusive... Call me lovely. Elusive <laughs> Josh Hartley. Uh, <laughs> I'm not calling you lovely. That's weird, mate. <laughs> Aww, How are we that. doing, folks? We're all right. We're all right. Yeah, we're good. I, although, although I, th- I think um, for these recap episodes, we kind of, I, I kind of want the American uh, series style previously in Frogs of Pharaoh. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I mean, we could, we could do. I mean, we could do that in like the the at the start of the the live streams. You know, oh, kind of be awesome. Go into a, a randomly deep voice. Uh, you could do that if you want, buddy. I'd, I'd be happy to let you chair that. Uh, <laughs> You'd you be happy to indulge me that one little thing. I'd be impressed to see if you could remember what happened on the the last episode. You know, you're not not the best for that kind of stuff in our home games. So I, no, I am not. I definitely <laughs> can let someone else do that because. I, I don't know, like, so um, people have different styles when they're doing Dungeons and & Dragons, and me, I don't know, I've said this to you previously, Tom, I'm very much, like, I'm very much in the moment of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm fine in the sessions, but any sort of homework or any um, note-taking, I'm very bad at note-taking. Um, <laughs> you live you live in the moment you live for the experience yeah it's very sort of a student dorm room sort of pot smoking i live in the moment (laughs) man i just can't (laughs) look well like we can read into that how you like but (laughs) (laughs) so we uh we had our recent uh second episode of uh frogs in faroon uh where we rejoined our, our band of miscreants um chen godel meris and morgrim uh, as they continued their exploration uh of the cave of shadows and to be fair there wasn't that much sort of exploration uh left to be done after the first session um you continued uh down into a separate portion of the cave uh you uh, battled against a, a a crevasse a crevice uh, whatever they want to call those things, uh, a gap in the ground. All, always, your your biggest foe at level one is the environment. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that last night, and I do think you know you're you're, you're right in a sense. It is uh, at low level, certainly environmental hazards pose a much greater risk. You don't kind of have the the magic available to easily overcome them. Mm. Uh, and like try to get out of a out of a, a ravine. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> Um, and of course, as you would, you were in the process of uh, of crossing it. Some orcs had the uh, the ill temperament to interrupt you uh, and attack you from the other side. How rude! Uh, which complicated matters further. But I did I did think it it made for some quite cool cinematic moments. The bit where Maris kind of wrapped the thorn whip around the orc's foot and pulled him over the yeah. down below to to join her was quite good. Um, and I said course. it last night. I'll say it again. We need a soundboard, and in that soundboard, we need the Wilhelm scream. I was trying to sort of put it together as we were as we were playing, and it's 
it's very chaotic. Sometimes people will mention things and I sort of frantically start trying to grab sound bites and things and get them off, but <laughs> I just couldn't get it together quickly enough, unfortunately. The other thing I was going to mention was Josh kept going on about music, but I had no music on my side, which means the feed doesn't have any music. <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, we're not putting music on the feed just for like copyright uh, side yeah. of things. Uh, uh, but I'm not sure why you, you weren't hearing it, because it plays through Roll20 directly, so it should oh, sort I of come know. through uh, onto your end. But I think Josh and Callum could hear it, so I don't know what, uh, what the script was there. I'll, um, I'll remember not to mention the music going forward. <laughs> because I I, I, I I appear to just be a crazy person to uh, uh, Twitch viewers. I do quite like that, though, that you're like, I love the music, and no one else can hear it. And they're just like, okay, Josh. <laughs> Josh is just vibing in the corner. You know, maybe it's part of the, your Josh's character development that he's going insane. I don't know. Yeah, just to hear music faintly in the background as he's uh, wandering around various dungeons. Um <laughs> So yeah, you made uh, you made short work of of the orcs after a, a, a quick fight with them. Uh, you found their their bed chambers, uh, for want of a better term. Mm. Uh, you you took some well earned rest uh, before you ventured into the the storage room and found your loot uh, for the session. And you found a, a fairly sizable haul of uh, sundries and, and basic gear. But you also found uh, some interesting magical items. Uh, what you'd later found to be a portion of healing, a portion of bull strength, a portion of bark skin, and the uh, obsidian reaver, uh, the yes. magical greatsword, uh, which caught Ben's character's more Ben's character Morgrim's eye, uh, which more was than quite his cool. eye, his heart, <laughs> his affections. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you you took your leave. You uh, you joined back up with. Uh, the merchant that you had saved previously, Khalil. Uh, you made your way back to the uh, Kalisham town of Albahas, um, and you met up with uh, Amir Hussani, who had, uh, turned out to be the individual who had hired you uh, by proxy. Uh, and we had a nice little role-playing session. Yeah, I was going to say he is incre- he is rapidly becoming one of my favourite NPCs of all time. <laughs> <laughs> He's only been in it for like twenty minutes as well. I know, I know, but he's, he's great. I love him. He's a, a lovable ass, so much like myself. So, if you say so, mate. If you say so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you uh, you met Amir Hassani. Uh, there was some discussion. Uh, there was some mockery of Khalil. Uh, Amir Hassani um, refused the Obsidian Reaver as a, a gift for his daughter's hand, but he kept the blade. Uh, and at the moment, it seems like Morgrim is, is pledging his uh, allegiance, his service in exchange for uh, use of the Obsidian Reaver. Uh, so, perhaps that well, might... Well, let's be honest. We didn't really get an option, did we? As soon as Morgrim saw that sword. <laughs> yeah, he is... Uh, he's, he's keen. He's, he's a keen one. <laughs> comes to that blade. I'll say that much. Well, I mean, like, uh, I, I, shall, shall we discuss what our, where our characters' heads are with the, this whole this whole proposition? Because basically, basically, uh, Amir Hassani has has uh, has offered us uh, effectively permanent employment, mm-hmm. um, which suits Godel down to a T. Because his whole thing, one of the things he likes to do is into ingratiate himself with. Uh, people higher than himself in society. 
to climb that old social ladder. So this this is perfect for him. Yeah. What about was, uh, what about Maris? Shall, how so she Maris about being a hermit druid, uh, one of the things, one of her traits was that she's um. I can't even say that word. Studious. Studious. Studious, yeah. Studious, that's the word. Studious. Um, like, she's sort of travelling the world looking or wanting to learn out more about druid magic and things like that. And mm. She's travelling, and this has sort of provided itself an opportunity, so she's thought, well, i am not got anything better to do at the moment. Might get something worthwhile out of this, because there's a magic sword involved. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it is quite interesting, because um, I, I think I mentioned on the stream that I wasn't really expecting you guys to uh, align yourself as much with Amir Hassani as I was kind of anticipating <laughs> you'd go with Khalil, sort of the more the more underdog underdogish merchant. What the uh, wait man? Uh, yeah, and not the uh, not the <laughs> asshole uh, rich merchant. But uh, it's it's provided an interesting kind of spin on on uh, how I expected things to progress. Um, with you sort of aligning yourself with Amir. And, and as Josh rightfully said, he is a, a lovable arsehole. Uh, he's not a, not a nice man, uh, but he's he's got some character, hopefully. I think he's one of those guys you don't want to get on the wrong side of, which might be a problem when Rogram's involved. <laughs> That's true. That is very true, yeah. Uh, just calling it. <laughs> Although, to be fair, Morgrim just seemed to have, have sort of reined it in, uh, in, in his sort of interest in the sword. So I don't know if you'll maybe... Uh, hold his tongue because it's allowing him access to to a powerful blade yeah i i, like, I was just gonna say like my my read on amir so far is he's kind of similar to my character i mean like uh, not to pigeonhole people into um you know the the old D D alignment system but well we're working in that system so we may as well he feels quite chaotic well, no, he feels more lawful neutral, actually. I, I imagine he's got his own code of conduct that he follows to the letter, but um, it's very much in the sort of grey area of uh, morality. Mm -hmm. No, I would definitely say he is, uh, he is lawful neutral, uh, 100%. Uh, he, is, he very much follows the, the rules as, as he perceives them um, to his sort of own self-interest. Not, not to the extent of being evil where it's to the detriment of others, Mm -hmm. um, although I think I think if he was tipping one way or the other, it would probably be more towards evil. Um, but he is he is sort of walking that line. Um, Don't be a smith, neutral. basically. Like yeah. he's not going to go out of his way to be a dick. Exactly. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not looking to like make people suffer on his behalf, but equally he's not going to go out of his way to to sort of act in any kind of benevolent fashion towards someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's just more interested in his own self worth and and playing the system because one of the things, sort of we've we've touched on vaguely but we've not really been into the detail of it is within Kalimshan culture, coin is king. Like it's yeah. it's the be all and end all of their society. Pretty much, if you have money, you have power, and the only thing that people see as as any kind of equal to to having a lot of gold is having a lot of magic. So you know, having uh, coin and, and magic is is the two things that. Uh, Amir Hassani takes a pretty strong interest in, uh, and uh, he certainly seems uh, flush with coin. Uh, mm -hmm. As of receiving the Obsidian Reaver, he's got a bit more magic in his, uh, his back pocket as well, uh, which is quite interesting. Um, so I think, with the exception of probably Chen, you're all kind of uh, 
leaning towards aligning yourself with him. I know Chen said he was a bit more reluctant uh, because he only serves the master of his order. Um, but then again, I think he's obviously in the interest of staying with the group. He'll probably sort of toe the line, so he might not pledge any kind of allegiance, but he'll probably uh, work alongside you guys regardless. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, uh, like, this is it. We don't really know what Chen's motivations are yet. We don't know why he's he's in Kalimshan. Um, I haven't made it known as to why my character's in Callum Shan, but my my character's in Callum Shan for a very specific reason. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think you've all kind of got your own your own motives and your own reasons for coming here, and they've not really been sort of uh, discussed in character yet. You're all fairly mm. new to each other. You know, you've only recently sort of banded together. Um, the, the context of which isn't really uh, something that's been discussed either uh, as when we kind of started the game you were already en route to the, the Cave of Shadows uh, yeah. but you are kind of these four very different individuals uh, all with their own kind of goals and uh, objectives uh, Chen and, and Maris being especially sort of uh, not aloof but certainly vague on on their own sort of motivations and backgrounds Um and more grim and gold, well, perhaps a little more transparent, but still not giving too much away with yeah. regards to that. And I think it'll be interesting going forward, seeing how they kind of, if they come out and, and in what context they impact your uh, decision-making skills uh, and or throw me completely off what I'm expecting you to do. <laughs> <laughs> which, which may also be the case. Um, there's, there's one aspect of the story that I'm quite curious in because it's been hinted, obviously, that Emir Hassani has a daughter who uh, a scooter <laughs> is trying to impress. Yes. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how she fits into everything as well. I'm also looking forward to Tom doing a lady voice. So, yeah, that's an interesting... You miss your lady voice, Tom. An interesting uh, topic of discussion, <laughs> I suppose, is, is voices. I, I kind of... I'm always a bit wary with voices and accents. Um, like I, I like doing them, but you've got to you've got to kind of be careful. You don't go into sort of mockery or, yeah. or sort of stereotypes. Yeah. It's very very difficult. Um, and and it's one thing I've been quite conscious of uh, with this campaign because obviously, uh, Callum Shan is is a more kind of Eastern influenced yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to kind of put on these sort of borderline racist accent you know no, so they kind of tried to give the the characters their own voice but one thing i will say is i don't really do women voices as such is probably the best way to put it i will soften my voice uh for a, for a female character um but i mean it's you can't take it seriously if i'm there going oh hello welcome to my home you know, it's just no one's gonna take that seriously yeah. for a second, and I don't. Could you? I, don't it, could, uh, I mean, like, if if uh, if we had infinite resources, uh, like, you would 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 you consider like getting uh, getting a lady friend just to voice like your female NPC? The the big issue with that is that would involve giving somebody else, a third party, control yeah. of of one of my NPCs. And I am such a control freak in, in how I want things to kind of play out. Uh, not in that I necessarily want them to go into a specific way, but that I want the characters to react in a way that is kind of organic for me yeah. uh, and the campaign, that I wouldn't feel comfortable giving someone else that, that level of control, even if it means I, I have to soften my voice a bit and uh, 
and and flirt with some of my my male friends <laughs> uh online um i mean thankfully i've never had anything too compromising come up uh, although i know <laughs> josh has expressed a, a recent uh, enthusiasm for playing out his if I don't, if I don't get to uh, describing graphic detail, halfling uh, love, I, I'm out. I'm out. I, I want to make everyone on the stream and uh, participating in the whole experience really awkward. Why would it be awkward? What's awkward about it? Yeah, Josh. What's awkward about it? <laughs> Right. What what is what is awkward about a man role playing sex? <laughs> I mean, plenty of men probably do it. Uh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure I they think, do. I think the the thing is like I, it's come up in in games for me before, um, sort of romance scenes and um, sex scenes as well to to a lesser degree. Uh, and I always kind of my approach to sex scenes has always been sort of fade to black. It's the sort yeah. of you know, it's it's yeah. when you see the films on like daytime TV that have a sex scene on them, and they've kind of edited it so that it, it kind of does that jarring fade mm-hmm. to black that doesn't quite work. Um, that's kind of always been my approach to it. Um, romance scenes I'm, I can do to an extent, uh, but I'll tend to sort of. It's weird because normally when I'm talking as a as a an NPC, I'll talk in the first person so you know a lot of i'm gonna do this and, and blah 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 but when i get to a romance scene I, I i sort of have to take myself out of the equation and it becomes and she says this and they do this because i'm like i don't want them thinking that and not that they would but i don't want them to feel in the position that it's me that they're they're having to interact yeah. and have that discussion yeah. with um, yeah. so i mean we've had in some of our previous campaigns a few romantic entanglements uh, with the party, because I think it's it's a part of storytelling. You know, romance is, yeah, is yeah. sort of common yeah. part of storytelling that sometimes when it's organic, you do a disservice to not, you know, at least pay it some lip service. Um, and we've had some, some fairly interesting relationships in our past in, in some of the games. Um, well, my, fir- my first character, uh, Julian, got married. Uh, he got married oh. after I'd left the campaign. <laughs> he did. He yeah. got married. Well, you were you were basically put into an arranged marriage, if I remember rightly. You were kind of yeah. Uh, well, again, like, well, it, it's it, it's it's funny because I, I I left that campaign because I moved, so yeah. uh, I, I wasn't going to be able to attend anymore. But uh, I think had you planned that part of the story before yeah. I'd said that? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, like, life, life gets in the way. It was very inconsiderate of you, but I, I, I you know, I moved with the punches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I do think it is. It's an interesting sort of situation to to be in, and you do kind of have to gauge it. I think it's it ultimately comes down to the comfort level of of the people yeah. involved. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if if romance is on the cards for this campaign. Uh, I suppose we'll wait and see. Uh, I but just I, don't know if I could watch my husband flirt with someone. <laughs> Not with someone, with me. <laughs> I, 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 so I, I actually, um, in in researching building halfling characters, went down a complete rabbit hole of um, is halfling human relationships okay? Like, and and this is this is a genuine thing. Uh, oh god, it's because obviously in the Forgotten Realms and in most settings that they feature, halflings are described as being childlike in appearance. Mm-hmm. Yes. So 
that creates a very obvious uh, controversy mm-hmm. yeah. if they were to have a relationship with a human. Now, my my workaround is I don't think a human would find a halfling particularly attractive and vice versa. I think a halfling would look at a human and think, oh, you, you're gangly and tall and that's weird. Yeah. So... I don't think that it, I don't find it compatible in the same way that an elf and a human would be. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think if you look at sort of an elf and a human by, by way of example, and, and hel- half elves being quite common, it's it's because sort of humans are curious creatures to elves, and elves have that kind of almost magical quality to humans. So there, there's something on either side that they're kind of drawn to. But you don't see many sort of human dwarf relationships. Because they 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 are so sort of dissimilar, not just physically, but in sort of their worldviews as well. Um, <laughs> that I think romance is is fairly unlikely. I have seen um, both on on other online streams and in some some sort of uh, written content relationships between quite unusual pairings. Uh, I think I've seen a dwarf and a halfling in one, uh, and I think there was another one that I saw as well. Um, that was an unusual pair, and I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, though. Um, but when it's done, when I've seen it done there, the way it's done quite well that I like is it becomes more about the sort of romance of it. So it's not really a yeah. sexual thing. Yeah. It's yeah. it's two people who, who, you know, care about each other and love each other, and there, there's a romantic love to it, but they don't really touch on the lust, because I think the lust side is where it gets a bit icky. That's, yeah. that's, that's where it gets a bit weird, you know, um, trying to envision that situation. Not, not that you'd want to, but sometimes you just can't help yourself. <laughs> so, kind of on this topic, I was talking to Ben earlier because I, I mean, I'm not that familiar with a lot of the D and D universe. But see, ha- all the like half elves and half orcs and stuff—is it half human? Yeah, yeah, they're all they're all they're all half human. Stereotypically, uh, half yeah. human. There are some uh, more exotic uh, half breeds out there, and there have been a number of systems that have sort of tried to have like half dwarf half orc and, and things like that and there are ways to do it but they're yeah. the kind of that's the archetype of that that race uh being the kind of elves as i said to look at humans curiously and, and uh, yeah. the opposite for for humans so they kind of uh have the occasional child between them but that that leads to its own complications because of how long elves live uh, okay. and then orcs tend to be um sort of born out of uh, raping and the like they, they have quite I was just dark... gonna say that there's a very dark side it, to the, the, really the truth of uh, half orcs yeah for for a game that like can can quite often be marketed to kids both pathfinder dnd i've seen you know kids as young as sort of eight and nine playing them yeah. and so they will want to play a half orc because it's this big green you know muscle thing you know it's like their own little personal hulk and they're playing it, and I'm like, oh, I really hope you haven't read the section on uh, on the background of, of half orcs and where they come from, because <laughs> that's going to be depends. an awkward conversation. It, it depends. So obviously, forgot both Forgotten Realms and the Pathfinder universe. I, I forget the name of the Pathfinder universe, which is terrible, but it's Galarian. Uh, Galarian. Well, both Forgotten Realms and Galarian, right? Orcs are this savage race that just they basically almost just exist. Uh, Murder and pillage. Yeah, they're right? they're they're sort of Nazis. They're the de facto bad guy. You know, they're the easy, yeah. easy go to bad guy. But there there are other there are other settings which you can apply both systems to, wherein orcs are not that. They are more nuanced. They are almost 
a bit like um and i don't know I, I never played world of warcraft so i'm not terribly familiar with its lore but my understanding is in world of warcraft it's a bit more nuanced than that they are more sort of indigenous like uh, nomadic people close to nature yeah very than, much like, so. you know, much ordered structured and civilized quote-unquote civilized version of humans elves and dwarves yeah, um, the the evil side of of orcs in in Warcraft was sort of played up more with demonic influence and things, kind of twisting them away from their more natural origins, and they are sort of made to be these. Not not always, but there are sort of elements of them that are, as you say, most kind of tribalistic and and nature loving, and and they're certainly not peaceful, but they're also not you know the the sort of rage barbarians that they are in. Uh, well, I I I pers- and I personally find that a more interesting interpretation of them anyway. I mean, the, the real life isn't just full of black and white like good these guys are good, these guys are evil unless it's Nazis. <laughs> I think I think the way I like to do it is I I like to sort of have the classic orc archetype of of the the sort of rage monster. Um, but I think it's you need to have a reason for that. You can't just go around being being bad for the sake of it. You know they have to have an incentive to, for people to do things that twisted and that dark. Even orcs, you know, they have to have been pushed to that by by the world around them, or you know, there yeah, has to, there has be it to like they mar- be be it, uh, they are marginalized by you know the rest of the world around them, or. You know, for whatever reason, they're driven to invading other lands because they need like resource. Yeah, exactly. You know, that sort of thing. I think like where it's quite interesting is settings like Eberron, uh, which I, I don't think either of you have really had any mm. any play with. But Eberron has very much a rule that alignment, although it's in the system, doesn't apply. So nobody is always evil or always good. Like you can get uh, a- angels that are evil, and you can get devils that are. are with good intentions and in that orcs play a much more kind of central pillar of society you know they they are a civilized society within eberron uh certainly mm-hmm. some of them are um and half orcs are part of society you know they're not as marginalized and not as mistreated and there there are half orcs that come from loving parents you know who who had children out of out of affection and nothing more sinister than that um mm-hmm. which is is again it's it's quite an interesting take and i have seen that done in Pathfinder and Forgotten Realms as well, where you know there have been uh, people who have just uh, fallen in love, you know, with with an orc or or, or two half orcs of of mm-hmm. children, and you get, you know, obviously a, a half orc from that, and that that puts an interesting spin on it in those settings, uh, where it is sort of less common for it to be out of any kind of passion and more from a, a more sinister source. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's the awkwardness of, of half orcs with uh, with children <laughs> discussed. Uh, can I bring this? Uh, can, can we bring this back around full circle back to accents? Sure. <laughs> yeah, because I'm 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 kind of a fan of accents. In um, I'm not using I'm not really using one for Godel, but I have I have been known to use them in the past, and I do find them quite a useful tool for RP. Like uh, obviously, as Tom pointed out earlier, it, like don't make them racist. Yeah. But um, examples of ones that I did. My first character, Julian, was from Galt, uh, which in uh, the Pathfinder universe is basically revolutionary France. So I got to do the uh, Monty Python. Uh, 
Monty, the Monty Python French knight accent mm-hmm. for a good chunk of that campaign, and that was really fun. Um, and I've played previously a couple of different thuggish characters, which nothing against Cockneys, but it's quite fun to do a Cockney accent for those guys. They're sort of all right, oh, yeah, you're right, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> and the reason I think they are quite useful, particularly if you are just like having a crack at, uh, if you're not too self-conscious to do them, of course. If you're just having a crack at uh, your first crack at uh, doing RPGs, is it's a very clear way of indicating I'm talking in character or I'm talking out of character. Yeah, yeah, that is Which... one of the the main strengths to doing any kind of voice, and I think it doesn't even need to be an accent. I think sometimes just sort of intonations in how you speak, you yeah. know, uh, adding a, a level of eloquence or dumbing it down or kind of just deepening your voice a little bit or, or, or sort of raising your voice. I mean, I've played everything from um, a guy who, who, who I'm playing at the moment who pretty much has the Christian Bale Batman voice. Uh, that Let's I, do it. For most of the time. No, I'm not doing it. Uh, not on a recording. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's sort of the, I'm going over there now. Uh, it's, it's that kind of graveliness. And that, that buggers my throat every night I, I do it. But it's fun to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I've got one of my previous characters that I played, which was uh, Nick at the Goblin Rogue, where I had to spend the entire session talking in like this, I'm gonna go over here. you know, this very kind of uh, yeah. comical, high-pitched voice, which again, buggered my throat. Uh, so you, you can do that or some somewhere in the middle of that without going all the way uh, if you struggle with accents. I know I tried to do a character with an Irish accent uh, quite recently. And I really struggled with it. My stepdad's Irish. I, I've uh, I spent a lot of time around Irish people, but I, I've never been able to get the accent quite right. Uh, and it always kind of goes a bit all over the place. It goes a bit sort of Irish, a bit sort of uh, West Country. Uh, it can occasionally sort of drop into Scottish. Uh, and then sometimes it can go really out there, like it can drop into like Pakistani or something. You know, it can just go all over the show. I'm exactly <laughs> the same. That's why I don't do accents, because I end up offending everyone not yeah, just... <laughs> cover the spectrum. <laughs> so I'm not doing an accent, or I can I can only do an Irish accent, but only if I say a certain phrase, and I'm not going to say that. Uh, it's, so it's useless. Okay. okay. <laughs> so yeah, I think it, it is an interesting one uh, to do to do things like that, and I think it is if you've got the confidence, as you say, Josh, it's worth doing to try and, and find a voice for your character. But I don't think it's essential either. I think. You can you can get around it even if you you just explain how your character talks. You know, if mm. if, if you're not comfortable doing a, a particular accent or, or mimicking a certain mannerism uh, of speech and just just saying you know this is this is how my character talks. I'm I'm not comfortable with it or I'm not capable of doing it. Um, but this is this is the kind of sound you would hear. Um, I think that's fine. You know, as long yeah, as people have got a got a mental picture right well that uh, that about wraps us up for tonight um so we don't waffle for another hour about different accents we can and can't do uh oh, can, we, can we please no uh thank you very much to everybody who's tuned in to listen to both uh this episode and the stream uh we will be back this coming sunday the 24th i think it will be mm-hmm. uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, on Twitch. So if you want to catch episode three, uh, which is called The Lash of Malak, uh, 
find out what that's Ooh. all about um and uh see where our, our misadventures get up to next and how their future interactions with amir hassani go uh thank you very much for josh and charlotte joining me today yeah thank you thank you for having us joshua <laughs> <laughs> I'm just DMing. Bye.